If you agree, church, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's open up our Bibles, loved ones, to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 15. Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. If you do not have a copy of God's word with you, then please put up your hand and our ushers are coming forward right now. We want to put a Bible in your lap. And that is a free gift for you from us to encourage you to continue to study this beautiful book that is the all-sufficient, inerrant word of God on your own at home. All right, we're going to need it tonight, and, and our passage is taken from page 114 in those Bibles that we are handing out. Page 114, Joshua 24, verses 14 to 15. We'll finish uh, this sentence. Finish the statement, loved ones. Here we go. Seize the... Let's say it again. Seize the... Okay. All right. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Seize the day. You hear that trumpeted in this world. Seize the day. Make the most of those opportunities. Suck the marrow out of life. You can do it. All of this stuff. God's got a different word. God's word is this. Not seize the day. Choose this day. Say it. Choose this day. God's got a different challenge for us to choose this day. Welcome to the final message in our three-part mini-series entitled, Choose This Day, The Battle for the Home and God's Path for Victory. The Battle for the Home and God's Path for Victory. And, and here's what we need to see. This big idea that is woven through each of the sermons thus far is this. You'll see it on the screen. Write it down. Victory in the home is God's glory in the home. We need to be clear on that. Victory in the home, a biblical definition, is not you and I being able to live the life we want to live, in the comfort we want to have, in the convenience we want to get. Seeing our family members, our children, and everything, living the lives we want them to have, we think they should have. No, no, no. Victory in the home is God's glory increasingly in the home. Now let's be clear. What is God's glory? Is this some like mystical thing? We need to be very clear on what God means when he says, my glory. The glory of God is the sum of all of God's attributes. The glory of God is the sum, all of the attributes of God. His grace, his mercy, his holiness, his righteousness, his kindness, his forgiveness, his love, his truth. All of it, the sum of it all is the glory of God. So victory in the home is the attributes of God increasingly on display by the power of God in that home. Are we clear? Everyone say, I got it. Sweet. The glory of God in the home is the attributes of God, the character of God, literally manifesting himself through his people by his power increasingly in that home, no matter what comes against it. Now remember, the purpose for this series was not just to lay out God's heart and desire for the individual family, no, no, no. The purpose of the series was also, though, to lay out the crucial role that the church family, the spiritual family of God, is to play in the discipleship of the home. 
Now let's give a little recap here. Uh, The path of victory we saw in our first message is a path of dependence. Why? Because Psalm 127, only God builds the? Only God builds the home. And God is not looking for your direction or mine as to how it should be built. He's looking for our dependence on him. That's where it all has to start. Then we saw from the overflow of that, God's path for victory in the home is a path of discipleship. Dependency is the prerequisite for discipleship. Faithful discipleship in the Lord. And what is the path of discipleship? It means we make disciples in the home. Who is a disciple? One who's increasingly growing in the belief of God's word and the practice of it, the obedience of it by his power in their lives. A house of discipleship is a house making disciples. Loved ones, are we making disciples this week? That is the very mission God's given the church. The great commission. Go therefore and... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, great news, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that leads to today. The sum of this series. The path of dependency, the path of discipleship, leads to this. The path for God's victory in the home is a path of decision. It is a path of decision. As we will see today. And it comes down to this, loved ones. Ask yourself the question, write it down. The decision of who will you choose to serve? Who are you going to choose to serve now? You've seen the call of God. You've heard the word of God. And now we face a danger. Now we face a danger. That we can hear these truths about humbling ourselves before God in dependency on him. And we hear the call for discipleship and maybe you're in your chair these past few weeks and you say, yes, I'm into that. I agree with that. But here's the thing. We don't ever choose the path. We pay lip service, but we don't choose the path. We don't make the decision to serve the Lord above all. Loved ones, It's decision day. Every day. Say this with me. Every day is decision day. Every moment of every day is decision day. Who will you choose to serve? Here it is. Who will you choose to serve when that temptation comes? Do you ever notice this? Um, it's a lot easier to serve the Lord when you're not tempted to do otherwise. Anyone ever notice that? The whole temptation thing? Yeah. Who will you choose to serve when that temptation hits? When you're home alone surfing the internet. When you're overwhelmed and tired and your children disobey again. Who will you choose to serve? When your spouse doesn't treat you the way you think you should be treated. Who will you choose to serve? When your preferences in the church aren't met the way you want them to be. Who will you choose to serve? When that fear or anxiety hits. When you want control over that situation instead of humbling yourself before the Lord. Who will you choose to serve? 
When you're feeling weary and you're tempted to follow the flesh, who will you choose to serve? When the wisdom of the world is coming in on you, who will you choose to serve, loved ones? It's a path of decision. The path of victory is a path of decision. Why is this so important that we hit this, that God devotes this section of the text to this? Because every day, loved ones up here, hey, grade two to fives, I'm so glad you're in the service. This is such a good word for you. You ready? Uh Uh-huh, you ready? All right, let's go, let's go. Here we go. Listen, every day we make the choice of who or what we will give our devotion to. I'll say it again. Every day you and I make the choice, make the decision of who we will give our devotion to. Two, and this highlights the problem. You've probably seen it in your life already. I sure have seen it in mine. We often make the wrong decision of who we will choose to serve. Don't we? Let's just be honest. We're in church. We can't lie. We're in church. Often, every day, you and I make the wrong decision of who we will choose to serve. We serve our agendas instead of choosing to serve the Lord. And even though we hear this call to serve the Lord and choose this day, we still choose our fear of man to serve instead of a fear of the Lord. We choose to serve our desires for comfort, for power, for status, for convenience, and all these other small g gods that cannot deliver and will lead to destruction. And the result Well, you don't really have to look far. Maybe you look in your life and you definitely look in the world around us. How's this working for us, choosing to serve the things of this world and ourselves? Broken marriages, home and and, and whole churches divided, kids confused about their identity and gender, And what constitutes a family? How's it working for us, by the way? Children hurting. And did you you ever notice this? As the family goes, so goes society. You You think that's a coincidence? The family is the second institution given to us by God. Way back in Genesis chapter 2. And did you notice, as the family goes, so goes society. Brokenness in the home, brokenness in the world. Here's what we need to see, loved ones. Write this down. This is the big idea for our text today. Because only God's path leads to victory, we must choose to serve him alone. Every moment, every day. Because only God's path leads to victory. Not yours, not mine, not this world. We must choose to serve him alone. And here in our text today, we're going to see two truths we must embrace increasingly in his power. If we are to increasingly choose to serve the Lord and see his victory in the home for his glory. You ready to go? Let's grab our Bibles. Let's honor the authority of God's word and stand as we read together. Hey, students, really nice and loud. I know you've got loud voices. Let's go. Let's use them. Grades two to five and hope youth. Let's do it. Joshua. 
Joshua 24, 14 to 15. Choose whom you will serve. Let's read together. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Let's get into this. Grab your pens. A home that chooses to serve the Lord, first thing we see is this, fears him alone. It is a home of reverence. A home that chooses to serve the Lord is a home that fears him alone. It is a home of reverence. The reverence for God fuels our faithful service to God. Reverence for God fuels faithful service to God. Question facing you and I from from verse 14. Do you fear God alone? Do you fear God alone? That's a big question for us. See this world gripped by fear. Do you fear God alone? Let's get our context. Here we are. It's 1400 BC. 1400 BC before Christ came and the Israelites have crossed into Canaan and they are under the leadership of a man named Joshua. Joshua has taken over from Moses when Moses died and and the Israelites at this point, they're in Canaan and they have conquered by God's power and grace most of this nation as God instructed them to. And so here's Joshua at the very end of his leadership of the people, okay? He's in his final days and he's gathered them together at a place called Shechem. You'll see it on the screen. This is Israel right in the middle. Okay, right above the tribe of Ephraim, there's Shechem. And so he's gathered all of the Israelites, maybe roughly around two, two and a half million people right now. And why has he done this? Well, it's a covenant renewal ceremony that's going on where he's renewing the covenant of God with them. What's the covenant of God? God's promise to build the nation of Israel. God's promise to build the nation of his people. And so in verses 1 to 13, quick summary here, Joshua summarizes the past events that both they and their fathers went through that showed God's faithfulness to them to preserve and to protect and to establish them through every part of it. So he starts, if you go starting at verse 1 all the way to 13, he starts with Abraham, and then he, he summarizes what God did in the Egypt and then the wilderness and all the battles that God fought for them and how he delivered them right up to their present time in conquering the land of Canaan. Now why is Joshua doing this? Is the final thing he says to them. To show them that Israel, that God's people are helpless to build their own nation. They are helpless to build their house without him, as you and I are today. So here's what Joshua is saying. <clears throat> if you want to see God build his house, if you want to see Israelites, God build his nation through you, if you want to see the glory of God and the blessing of God upon you, you have to do it his way or it's going to fall. Everyone say, I got to do it God's way. It just doesn't work. My way doesn't work. I need to do it 
God's way, not my way. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, Joshua summarizes all of God's deliverance of of his people. And now he hits the therefore that connects with everything that he's just said. Now, therefore, in light of God's deliverance, in light of his incredible work on your behalf, fear the Lord. Out of all the things he could have said right there, what does he say? Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. See, Joshua says that in light of this, in light of all of God's work, if they are to be a nation or people that is to stay faithful and devoted to the Lord alone, they must fear him above all. Right in the text, and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Now let's be clear, because some people have some ideas, different ideas, about what that whole fear of the Lord thing means. You'll see it on the screen. Write it down. Here's the Hebrew uh, for this term means having reverence and honor towards the Lord. Reverence and honor towards him. Let's break it down. It means they must have an increasing love for him. It's not like they're sitting in in fear like this, but a fear, a reverence, and honor means I love you. And as an overflow of an increasing love for you, I desire to honor you. I desire to have you as first priority in my home, in reverence before you. They must have that in their heart and through their lives. And it means above all else, loving what God loves. Let's get let's get. Street level, loving what God loves. Do you love what God loves, people? Honoring what he honors, valuing what he values. It means we're not, if, if, you're, if you're a household that fears the Lord, if you are a man or woman that fears the Lord, it means you are not flippant with sin. You don't take it lightly. You're not flipping in how you approach the Lord. Yes, Jesus has made a way for us to approach the throne of grace with confidence, but he's a holy God. We do not approach him flippantly. Yes, he loves us. Yes, we've been purchased by his blood. If we are saved in Jesus Christ, we are purchased by Christ's blood and his children, but do not approach him flippantly. He's still holy. Not putting him to the side and then living our own lives, but having him as the center of all things. Remember last week we said the house of discipleship is a house that has like a solar system of discipleship with God at the center, his word at the center, and every part of that home founded on it, directed by it. See, what it means what matters to God must matter to them increasingly. What Joshua, see what Joshua does there? He goes right for the heart. He goes right after their hearts. Why? Because he knew what we must know today, that you and I will reverence someone or something. We will all reverence someone or something. We're hardwired for that. We're made in the image of God. He's placed eternity, Ecclesiastes 3.11, in our hearts. You and I will reverence someone or something. And here's the thing we need to understand. What we revere is what we choose to serve. Let's say it again. What you and I revere is what we choose to serve. Oh, I revere that status at work. I'm going to put my family on hold. I'm going to burn the candle at both ends to try to get the promotion. Oh, I revere finances that I'm going to make sure money is my God. Oh, I revere possessions. I'm going to make sure I fill up my life with as much as I can. What you revere is what you choose to serve. 
That's why he starts out right here. And, I, and, and just look around. Look around, loved ones. Maybe in your life, certainly in this culture, how's it, how's it going revering ourselves? We revere ourselves, our agendas, our own lives. How, how's it going fearing anyone or anything but God in our culture today? Anyone or anything but God. See, Joshua then commands them that as an overflow of the fear of the Lord, go back to the text, did you see it right there? They must serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness. What does that mean? Okay, here's the Hebrew for sincerity. You see it right there. It means to serve him in accordance with God's truth that is authentic, with no hypocrisy or deceit, but with integrity and uprightness. In accordance with God's word. Here's, here's, if I could sum it up, here's what Joshua's saying. Make sure your walk matches your talk. You claim to follow the Lord? Yeah, I love God. I fear the Lord. How does your life show that? Is it showing that? Here's what he's saying. The house that fears the Lord, the life that fears the Lord will not live duplicitously. Let's break it down. It means we're not just paying lip service to God in our obedience to him. Today we we can hear this and we can say this even. Yes, I love God, but I'm just going to keep walking in sin and excusing it. Even when he brings it up. I'm just going to excuse that sin. Because it's just a little thing, right? Right? But I love God and I'm going to serve him. But I'm just going to serve this sin over here too. It's duplicitous. Or this. I'll obey God when I get around to it and when I feel like it. Loved ones, delayed obedience is just disobedience. You know that. I'll obey God when I feel like it. When it's more convenient. I'm going to let my preferences dictate what I do instead of God's principles. But love you, Lord. Here's another one. A house that fears the Lord, lives with sincerity in his power, is not picking and choosing the parts of God's word they want to obey. It's not living with selective teachability. Remember I said? It's it's so, quote unquote, easy to follow God's word when it doesn't ruffle our feathers, does it? Isn't, it, isn't that the truth? It's just easy. Oh, yeah, I'm in, God. Okay, repent. Oh, I like that sin, though. I don't want to live increasingly generous. But it means increasingly obeying all of God's word promptly by his power. Here's a fourth one. Uh, living with sincerity and serving God with sincerity means we're not choosing to re- revere and be devoted to ourselves over the Lord. I'll say I love the Lord, but I'll live like I know what's best. I won't be teachable because I know better. Okay, truth be told, have you, like me, ever struggled with teachability at times? Anyone? Yeah, thanks. That's great. I don't feel alone. Right? But if we say we fear the Lord, it means we're going to be teachable to the Lord. With sincerity and authentic faithfulness. And I love this. I was just, this was in my devotions this morning. From Psalm 141, led family devotions today with the guys. 
on this. Let a righteous, the psalmist says, David writes, let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. A righteous man, a man who fears the Lord. Let him strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Oil is a picture of God's blessing. God's blessing is on the one who heeds godly correction. But don't we love to be defensive about it? Who are you to tell me this? I'm not going to take any correction. I've got my mind made up. I'm not going to listen to the warning. I'm not going to listen to the correction. There goes God's blessing. I love this. He says, let my head not refuse it. Let me not refuse the correction because my flesh is going to be tempted to do it all the time. Are you teachable? Do you seek out opportunities? Or are you kind of ducking, gee, I hope no one corrects me or finds this out? Right? We all do this. We all do this. Beloved, if we are to choose to faithfully serve the Lord, it must begin with a reverence for the Lord above all, his reputation over our own. Reverence for God is the fuel of faithful service to God. Let me ask you again, as I have needed to ask myself again, do you fear God alone? Or do you fear losing your reputation? Do you fear man? Do you fear the unknown? Do you fear failure? Do you fear God alone? And from the overflow of that, are you living right now? Just let the Spirit of God and the Word of God be a mirror and examine your heart. Are you living with sincerity in your service to him? In your individual lives, in your homes represented here, and in this church, with increasing obedience, upholding God's holiness and his purity in our speech and in our actions. Hey, parents, with your children, are you upholding the holiness of God in your home? Or are you just letting kids in the name of love do whatever they want? That is not loving. running roughshod over God's holiness. What about him? My kids won't like me. What? God didn't entrust them to you or I to be our best friends, but to point them to him. Loved ones. And I know the temptation. But are we upholding his holiness in the home? With our integrity, Are we living with a sincere faith when people are watching and when they're not? Doing what God says is right. By honoring what God honors in our homes and entertainment and in our speech. Valuing what he values. Not making excuses for our sin, but dealing with it quickly instead of digging in our heels of pride. Living with humility and teachability and not fearing giving or getting correction. Loved ones, it's not saying... When, when a loving brother or sister says, hey, you know what? That actually doesn't, that word, what you're saying, how you're living, what you're laughing at, what you're filling your mind and heart with, it's just not honoring to the Lord. It's not upholding God's holiness. And then are you, are you like this? Saying, oh, you just need to chill. You're a legalist. Really? Really? Are you living with sincerity in your faith? The, the service in the God you claim to fear? Loved ones, this is, and this isn't, speaking the truth in love to each other is not just an elder mandate. It's a body mandate. It's a body mandate. All of us, growing in Christ together by his power, 
for his glory. Do I care more about his reputation than mine? And you say, well, how do I know if I'm living with sincerity? Here, just a couple quick things. Ask God from his word. When you get before his word, ask him. Say, Lord, where are the offensive ways in me? Where am I living duplicitously, claiming to love you, but serving myself, serving this world? Lack of teachability, lack of humility, a lack of purity. Where is that? He will show you. And then, look, God has given you such a loving church community right here. Ask those around you who who fear him. Don't refuse the rebuke of a righteous person. One who fears the Lord and loves you. It's out of his love for you. Do not refuse it and refuse his blessing from it. And I know it's hard. But it's what we're called to in his power. See, God's path for victory always runs through reverence. Always. Won't happen without it. A home that chooses to serve the Lord fears him alone. It is a home of reverence. And as an overflow of that final point today, as an overflow of this, a reverent home is a home that chooses to serve the Lord, commits to him alone. It is a home of allegiance. Write that down, guys, right here. Home of allegiance. All right? Home that... Fears the Lord is a home of allegiance to the Lord. Here's the question. Every moment of every day, you and I choose whom we will serve. Final question for this series. Will your house serve the Lord? Will your house serve the Lord? Look at 14. Go back to the text. Joshua says this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. Part two, right here. Put away. What does that look like? Now it's in action. Put away. You're going to serve him with sincerity, faithfulness, in reverence? Then put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. See, after charging the people to fear the Lord and serve him sincerely, Joshua then challenges them by saying, okay, all right, you want to fear the Lord? Here's the proof, Israelites. Here's the proof, people of God. And today, here's the proof, church. We say we fear the Lord. We must put away the false gods. It's time to put them away. That we would be tempted to serve in their lives and serve the Lord exclusively. In fact, don't miss this. Remember, whenever there's a phrase there and you're like, why did the Holy Spirit inspire the writer to use that one? That term put away isn't just like this. It's like, okay, well, I'll put it away for the day. Just kind of lock it up there. Keep it on hand close by so I can run back to it when I'm tempted. No, no, no. When he's talking put away, here's what it means, the Hebrew. It means to write this down. Remove and deliberately, intentionally avoid it. It means intentionally, deliberately get rid of it and avoid it and don't run back to it. In fact, in fact, the picture of this word or this phrase put away in the Hebrew means to behead it. You think God's messing around? He's like, behead that. Cut it off. Deliberately, intentionally, don't go back to it. Kill it by the power of God. Kill it. Behead it. Don't play with sin. It's not a toy. You don't feed it and give it a little treat, a little pat on the head and say, oh, I can handle this. It will take you out. Put it away. Cut its head off. 
And recall the gods of these fathers he's talking about here beyond the river. See, see if you can recall them from last week. See if any of these ring a bell. These are the gods of Mesopotamia, where Abraham came from, and then the gods of Egypt, and then the gods of the Amorites, which is Canaan, where they were now living. And there are literally thousands of gods, over 10,000 of them in the pantheon. And, and there are gods of this. You'll see it, you'll see it on here. Write this down. See, see if there's anything you recognize from today. The gods of your fathers, gods of food, gods of prosperity, gods of wealth, gods of peace, gods of health, gods of fertility and sex and protection and security, gods of provision, gods of love and relationship, gods of position and gods of success, gods of strength and gods of comfort. You think anything's changed today? There's nothing new under the sun. 1400 BC, 21st century. It's the same. Just packaged a little bit different. Now we can access it on our phone. With the click of a button. See, these are the same small G gods that saturate our society today and constantly compete for the devotion and decision of our hearts. And here's the truth we need to understand that Joshua is trying to drive home right here. Every moment of every day, we make a choice as to who or what we will serve. Will your house serve the Lord? Remember, discipleship starts in you. Will you serve the Lord? See, Joshua knows this. Joshua knows that they must be killing sin, as John Owen said, or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And Joshua knows this and therefore look at this. He says in verse 15, let's finish it out. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, that is Mesopotamia, where Abraham came from, or in the gods of the Amorites, that is the land of Canaan, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua says this, if it is evil in your sight, you know what that term evil in the Hebrew means? If it's displeasing to you, I don't want to give that up. I like my comfy life. Take up my cross and follow the Lord? I don't think so. I like what I have. There's, I know the pornography is wrong, but there's something that makes me feel good when I say, I, I kind of like that. He says, fine. If it's displeasing for you to serve the Lord, that means if it's too inconvenient for you, if it's too uncomfortable for you, if it's too restrictive, you're a legalist. Holiness? No thanks. It's all grace, man. if it's too restrictive and narrow, if it's too unpopular for you, if it's too so-called religious for you, here it is, then choose which of these false gods you're gonna serve. Just get off the fence. Make a decision, but don't be duplicitous. Make a decision of the gods you're gonna serve and devote yourself to, if you think they will bring you the freedom and satisfaction and peace and strength and salvation you're after, you think they're gonna build your house to last? Not a chance, people of God. Not a chance. 
But quit playing the religious game. Saying all the right things. Get off the fence. Quit playing the game and quit being flippant before the Lord and choose this day whom you're gonna serve. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, as for me and my family, People walk in my home. I'm not perfect. And I need the Lord's grace every day in overcoming sin and killing it for his glory. But when people walk in my home, they're going to know that we serve one God. We serve the Lord. The line, here's what Joshua does. The line, Israel, people of God, the line is drawn. And maybe some of us right here today need to draw that line. It's time to just get off the fence. If you're like, well, it's too hard to follow the Lord, then go follow what you think you want. Go and see what that does for you. See what that does to your family. See if you have any shred of victory for God's glory in the home by going down that path. See where that takes you. But make a decision. It's decision day. This is what he's saying here. It's decision day. The line is drawn. I've made my choice. I'm taking this stand no matter what comes against it. No matter what this world says is right or wrong, I'm standing with what God says is right or wrong. I'm choosing this day. This commitment is made. I will not compromise. He takes a stand. Will you take a stand? What side of the line are you on? Choose, but don't play both sides. Do you ever notice in our society today, I don't know, maybe it's just me, it's getting harder to live as a Christian. Would you say? Yeah, it's getting harder, isn't it? Do you think there's many places left to hide and blend in? Not if you don't want to compromise in your faith. We need to choose this day and trust that God's going to take care of us either way whether we lose our job or keep it. I feel that weight every day. Choose this day, but don't play both sides. Every day you choose whom you will serve, will you and your house serve the Lord? How about us as a church in these days ahead? Just came back from a senior pastor's conference. We were there and It'd be easy to look at the way the direction of our country is going in despair. That's why we need to look at the face of Jesus who's over that. But will we as a church stay uncompromising in the days ahead? We've just made the decision as elders and pray for us because it can't happen in our strength. But we've just made the decision. We're going to choose this day. This, this church will serve the Lord. Whatever, whatever God allows for us, whatever that means for our, for our families, whatever that means, he's our king and we will serve the Lord. The Bible will be preached verse by verse, line by line, no matter the text, no matter what the culture says, it will be preached and we leave the rest to the Lord. But pray for us because just like you're tempted, we're not superhuman, we're tempted. We're human. We're praying for you and for every home here that we would choose this day to serve the Lord and put away those other gods. It's decision day. And you may say, well, this is so hard. I get it, loved ones. I understand. I'm there with you. You say the temptation to compromise is relentless. 
I want to draw that line in the sand, but I, I just, it's hard. Or, or maybe you're here, and like me, you've never had this modeled to you in the home you grew up in. He's like, I didn't have, my dad is a spiritual leader. I didn't have this. I don't know what this looks like. Hey, 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 you might not have had a biological father, but you certainly have. If you're saved in Jesus Christ, you certainly have a heavenly father who's willing to teach you. That's no excuse. He's ready to give you all you need and all I need to choose this day that we will serve the Lord and be encouraged, loved ones, just like the Israelites God knew that we today would be helpless to build the house and serve him faithfully and see it victorious on our own. He knew we would need a savior. He knew it. And so he sent us one, the greater Joshua. The greater Joshua. He sent us his only son, Jesus Christ. And today Jesus says this, be comforted, be comforted. Just close your eyes right now where you are. Remove the distractions. Students, close your eyes right now. Remove the distractions. Loved one, you don't have to fear. You can choose to serve me because I chose to serve you first. You can choose to serve me when that temptation hits because I chose to serve you first. You're fighting a battle I've already won. I chose to love you and come to earth as fully God and fully man. I chose to identify with the trials you face and be tempted in every way you are and yet did not sin once. I chose to live a perfect life in a perfect fear of the Lord. And I chose to serve the Father with 100% sincerity and commit myself exclusively to choosing my Father's will and give him my allegiance every moment of every day. And today Jesus says to his children, I chose to die for you and pay the penalty for your sin on the cross. I chose to rise again three days later to defeat Satan's sin and death for all time and save you from an eternity in hell separated from me. And I've made this available for all who would repent of their sin, that is, turn from their sin and confess me alone as their Lord and Savior, but you're gonna have to choose. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus, you've never chosen to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a line in the sand, eh? Who will you choose to serve? Stop, stop riding the pine. Stop playing the fence, both sides. Maybe you're coming here and you're like, yeah, I've been coming to church. Been singing the songs. I can put on the outside like I'm sincere. But you know, you know, that's not the case. And Jesus says to you today, choose this day. Choose this day. Whom will you serve? You want to serve those other gods? Go. Get off the fence. But I died for you. Know this. I died for you. I love you. And I'm willing to give you a hope and a future right now. But you need to choose this day whom you're going to serve. And, I, and for those who've made that decision, can I just encourage us with this? Jesus says, I chose to promise to give you a hope and a future. I chose to give you all the power and grace and strength and wisdom to live this life in me and watch me build my house to endure and be victorious. I chose so you can choose.
I'm going to give you what you need no matter what comes against it. And he says, beloved child that I created in my image, you can choose to serve me because I chose you to serve you first. Loved ones, Jesus is the path of God's victory in the home. Jesus is the path. There it is. Big idea for the series right there. Write it down. Jesus is the path of God's victory in the home. And we must serve him alone. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In me is victory alone. No one comes to the Father but through me. But who will you choose to serve this day? In the face of all that is coming, who will you choose? I am enough, he says. Is Christ enough for you? When we say, I've decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back, that's saying, I choose this day. And when I blow it, as we will, God says, I factored that in when I saved you. I've got enough for you. Get up, child. Get up and I'll give you all that you need to see my glory in that home and in your life. Don't sit in condemnation. Who will you choose to serve this day? And it's only right that we finish this series, loved ones, to come to the table in remembrance of the work that Jesus Christ has done for us. In communion, is a time when we remember Christ's death and the sacrifice he made on that cross over 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for our sin, the penalty which we deserve and the debt we couldn't pay. And Jesus suffered and died so that we may receive forgiveness of sin and walk in freedom and new life with him if we would choose this day. Say, yes, Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner. You are the savior. I choose to follow you. And the two elements we remember him with today, the bread represents his body, which was crushed for us on that cross. And the juice, which represents his blood, which was shed for us to cover every sin we have, are doing, or will ever do, and walk in freedom and new life in him. And as we, as we come together to the communion table, I, we don't take this flippantly. This is a sacred moment. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight and 29 says this. Let a person examine himself then. Such a good message to go into examination from right now. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and saying, Lord, where am I living duplicitously? Where is that fear of man trumping a fear of the Lord? Where have I made man big and you small? Where am I? saying the right things, but my life isn't showing that. He says, anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's a serious moment. So in these next few moments, let's just be still right now. Be still, close your eyes. Just be still right now and discerning and pray as David prayed in Psalm 139. And he said, search me, search me, oh God, search me. I'm inviting it in. I'm inviting that accountability. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts, my, my sinful thoughts and see where the offensive ways are in me and lead me in the path everlasting. There is only comfort, not condemnation when we approach the throne of grace, loved ones.
And as the Lord reveals these things, take time in this moment right now to confess. In the quietness of your chair, just confess before him and repent of them so that today when you hear his voice, you do not harden your heart. And if you're here and you have never accepted Christ as your personal savior, two things I wanna say. I'm so thankful you're here. It's not by accident. But secondly, it's time for you to choose this day. The table of communion is only for those who've made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, repenting of their sin and confessing him as Lord. And if you have not done that, could today be the day for you in this moment right now? Could today be the day? You say, but I've done so much. He says, I've done more. I've done more to overcome your sin than you could ever sin to try to overcome my work. There is no condemnation. You come, child. I love you. I see that you're running to those things. I see the pain. But I love you and I created you. And I gave my life for you. Come, repent. And you will know grace and love and freedom that you've never known.